0: Today's episode is episode one hundred and eighty-seven of Unconventional Humans podcast. Today's episode is called Obsession. Today's topic is comes from Davy. Davy just suggested that I do a an episode on obsession when it comes to completing books. So I said I'd just talk around some points. I like give it, give it a little bit thought about it, and I'm just going to talk about this today. See what comes up. The last episode actually was done. On when we when Nietzsche wept, that was a recommendation by David. David is in the group calls that I have, myself and David. He supports the podcast, David McAvoy. So I just wanted to give a shout out to David for the recommendation and also just for the support on this podcast. It's greatly appreciated. Um, so yeah, so I'll delve into today's topic now. So obsession. Obsession's been it's been something that my relationship to the word obsession has changed over time. I think before I started doing the things I do today, I I was very aware of the negative connotations, the negative images that I had with the word obsession. For me, it, it represented somebody who was away in their own world, who was disconnected from everybody else. And that's that's a very negative image to have. It's not very appealing to want to obsess about something. I feel with the word obsession, it, it really depends on what your interpretation of the word is when you think about it. So my understanding of the word obsession would have also been based off of my own experiences with obsessive, obsessiveness, obsessive nature. And my experiences before I started engaging in this work would have been more in my head. So obsession would have been a thought process. It would have been me obsessing and fixating on things outside of my control. And that was actually quite neurotic, very counterproductive and very mentally unhealthy as well that sort of obsession the obsession i'm going to talk about today i'm not going to say it's a healthy obsession but i'm just going to describe some of the ways i see up my obsessions and the ways that they are beneficial towards me feeling more myself feeling more alive to be honest so obsession for me today I feel like there has to be a certain amount of obsession for you to do something over the long term consistently that may not be understood by other people around you. I feel like there has to be some sort of strong drive there, which you can call obsession. I don't know whether obsession is the right word. All I know it is that it feels like a concentration and focus, an intense concentration and focus which would lead into uh, obsession. So the thing I'm being mainly aware of today with obsession is that it's something that's felt more than thought out. So just bringing it back to using your obsession to create a book, to publish a book. The way I tend to, well, the, the way I tend to write books is that I follow feelings so the writing process is a therapeutic process for me that's how i feel it's an artistic process also it's because it's a primarily it's a feeling experience that i'm going through and in that regard what i'm always being conscious of is if i'm about to write a book or if i'm starting to engage in the process of writing a book i I think I net well today anyway I don't really start unless something really resonates with me at a deeper level and in that sense whenever that happens I don't know exactly what I'm going to write about I have a general sense of the topic I want to write about so for example I think my next book will probably be around identity and the fluid nature of identity because the topic the title fluid came into my mind a few months back there's a very strong chance that that will be the next book i write but in terms of the timeline i don't know yet how long that would take and also i wouldn't say with 100 certainty that that's the book i'm gonna write because i'm following a feeling if i wasn't following a feeling what i would tend to do is i would Well, I've never written a book yet that hasn't followed the feeling, that hasn't been therapeutic. Because for me, if the book doesn't sell well, at least I get the therapeutic effects from writing the book. So that's always my primary motivator. And then the secondary motivator then would be for the book to do well, to sell well, to reach more people, to impact people. But the primary motivator is for my own therapeutic experience, my own understanding of self, and then in my day-to-day experience then that's actually what i can i can show up more in the world and actually impact people in my immediate environment which for me is more important anyway for that to actually change so so the main thing i suppose to to pay attention to that i pay attention to there is that it's a felt process more so than a thinking process because i even notice on my walks when i'm out and about I hate when my mind is ruminating well not even ruminating but it it's it's working on a question and there's a certain amount of that that's helpful but there's also a certain amount of that that is just annoying because I guess I've started to question how much of that of me just thinking on a on a problem is productive and how much of it is unproductive because when I be out and about walking and I might be thinking about a problem, oftentimes too, it, it's it's related to how I see myself. That's actually what I'd be thinking about, how I see, see myself moving forward. And now I'm starting to question how much of that is actually useful, how much of that is actually getting in the way, because you can just assume that these things you're thinking about on your walks or whatever you're doing are productive and keeping you focused they might actually be doing the opposite and keeping you in your head and not actually making you helping you to move forward with, with something so i feel like there's a certain amount of obsession you have to have like if there's no focus or there's no obsession or passion there then it's very hard to make progress because you will just be like You'll just be like the average person who doesn't allow themselves to be any way different. And you're not going to create something then that you're going to feel is unique to you or original to you. Or that will any in any way stand out to other people. So I think why it's difficult to follow your passions or your obsessions is... It isn't actually an easy process. Because there is a, a good sense of loneliness to it. Like It's a lot easier to deny what you're fixating on or what you want to see come into the world and be like everybody else and feel like you fit in and blend in. But I suppose what Trump said is that even though it feels lonely, you realize that at times it doesn't feel lonely constantly. At times it feels lonely. But you realize that you're actually feeling something. Because when you weren't allowing yourself to follow in an unknown path, me personally, I wasn't feeling a lot. There wasn't much depth to what I was feeling. So nowadays, by following this path... It has helped me to appreciate the impact feelings have in situations. Well, the point I want to make here, I want to talk around energy management. So when you're following your obsession, your passion, if you're going to write a book and you want to finish it, it's also important to be aware of energy management and that will manifest in your priorities so i feel that in order to write a book it has to be a priority so if you're in a situation in your life right now where it can't be a priority i suppose you could write a little bit on the book but i wouldn't have this expectation that you're going to finish a book if it's not one of your priorities so it's being realistic about where you're at your circumstance or situation and where writing a book would fit into that then because in that case if you're clear on that at least you won't have this expectation that you'll finish a book even though you've dedicated no real time to it you've never really prioritized it you won't internalize that as that you're somebody who can't write a book it's just you weren't prioritizing it so energy management ties into that because there's only so much energy you have every day it's finite I've taken that for granted for years. I always kind of felt like, especially, well, it's very hard to measure, especially mental energy, when a lot of your work is mental work. It's very hard to measure how much energy you actually have. But I took it for granted that my energy is infinite. And when I was living like that, I would just take on too much at one time so that's something to be aware of too when it comes to pursuing something that you feel is an obsession that that you're aware that you need to put a lot of energy into it but then also to make sure that you're putting energy into other things that are important to you to kind of balance that a little bit more so that's something i'd be aware of moving forward that like my obsession here would be writing books creating art with davy doing this podcast sharing thoughts reading about philosophy taking things seriously experimenting understanding reality a bit better they're the things that i'd be obsessed about but because i'm obsessing more on the feeling level i suppose because it's more of a self-awareness before when i'd be obsessed there wasn't a self-awareness there wasn't uh, like a bigger picture and things this is a little bit better today. So I also realized that there's other things that are important in life, but they're also connected to what I'm obsessed about. So relationships with other people, that's important. Like there's no, I don't want to live a life where I'm obsessed about something that I make, I make a lot of progress in my work, but then everything else is sacrificed. I don't have good relationships in my life. My life, for me, it would feel a bit off kilter and it would feel quite hollow if there's no actual good relationships in my life so what i'm starting to discover anyway is that by following what i feel obsessed with what other people might deem as obsessive uh, it's actually helping me to form better relationships moving forward like what i have noticed that the relationships are few and far between they're, they're less but they're actually real relationships compared to before i felt like I, there was more see i didn't even see that I didn't even, before I didn't even make the connection that time you're engaging with people it's relationships you're forming with everybody. I only saw relationships in terms of intimate romantic relationships, and I saw the rest as friendships. but now I'm as I've focused more on who I am, what I'm passionate about, I've realized that you're in relationship with lots of different people there's lots of different relationships if it's a genuine relationship you don't really notice that when you've just got kind of got this notion of friendship and acquaintances you don't even know the difference i didn't even know the difference between an acquaintance and a friend when i wasn't so much paying attention to it so with the obsession i feel like It's a deep obsession. It's a deep it's like the deeper connection to obsession for me today. It's something within me that needs to be expressed. It's something that I need to follow, even though I can't logically say why I need to follow it or what I'm going to arrive at. But it's not ignoring like that deep obsession within me to to do something and to complete something. So the next point I want to make is that it becomes a way of life. So what you'll gradually find over time, if you pursue something for long enough with a concentration and a focus that could be perceived as obsession, that it becomes a way of life. It becomes how you are. It becomes a, a It becomes more and more a part of who you are. So, the positive here to being obsessed with something is that you're consciously choosing what you want to be fundamental parts of yourself so i've consciously chosen to write books i've consciously chosen to do a podcast because i want more of that in my life i want to have more of these conversations i want to understand myself better i want to have better relationships i want to create art like they're things that because they're for me there's an obsession there to the extent that i can filter out stuff that's irrelevant to that It's healthy in that I'm creating a life then that feels like my own life. It doesn't feel like the default life that my society has given me from those unlimited options it's given me. So that's how an obsession can be become healthy when you do when you connect to feeling and you've a better sense of who you are. Again, it's difficult because you are learning to as an adult anyway, who's gone through social conditioning, coming out the other side, becoming more conscious of your life, you're having to get used to the feeling of being uncomfortable for who you are, that you weren't able to deal with as a child as you were being socialized. So there was parts of yourself that had to be repressed when you were being socialized, but as an adult you get the chance to change that now. But um, But I feel like this obsession is needed for you to be able to filter out all the stuff that is irrelevant to the way of life you're creating that's been a big part of me developing a focus has been to weed out some of the importance i've placed unconsciously on things like the news media other people's opinions the culture i grew up in all of these things that weighed very heavy in the background of my mind, religion to be another one, that weighed very heavy on my emotional internal world. So that's been a large part of actually being able to have a focus in on what I'm interested in, what I want to pursue, what I want to give more weight to. So another part of obsession I feel is like it's the background noise in your life, the place where you place a lot of importance in the background of your mind and i had noticed when i wasn't following this i noticed that a lot of the important stuff in the background of my mind were actually things that were implanted in me from the outside from the outside world that i, I wasn't conscious to so be pl- so when i talk about not giving much weight to news and media I'm not afraid of looking at news and media. I'll pay attention to the extent that I need to be some way informed about what's going on right now. But oftentimes you'll find that through conversations with other people they will tell you if something's important enough or not. I feel like that issue's gotten even more problematic as the news cycles have just been constant now with internet and everything. But anyway, I feel like you're not going to be able to make a lot of progress, write a book. Do, do a podcast, do something, whatever creative endeavor you want to do, without committing yourself to it. And then by default, over time, the importance you placed on things that you felt like should be important to an individual in society, I suppose they get more of a proper weighting and they get more of a proper place in your mind. So that, I think it leads me to the the fact that the default ideas in society can also be very harmful so like i said at the very start of this podcast i've had a reluctance to follow things that i'm obsessed and passionate with because of the negative connotations negative imagery i've had around those words but as i've given it time so the thing is if you combine your passion your obsession with patience and you combine it with the ability to listen to other people, when you combine it with your improvements in discerning fact from fiction and your improvements in actually seeing reality, then obsession becomes more of a healthy driving force. But if you had obsession and you didn't have patience, that would lead to more kind of compulsivity. If you didn't have the ability to see fact from fiction or the ability to at least work on that because that's a a lifelong process. If you're missing these elements like patience, the self-awareness, the ability to to look at yourself then obsession becomes unhealthy. But when you start combining it with patience self-awareness, you combine it with your ability to listen to other people because the ability, your ability to listen to other people and what's around you will also Improve your ability to actually move forward into a reality that you can create in the world rather than an obsession that you're just living with inside your head so these are all things actually I'm glad I kind of got this I didn't think I was going to talk about this but if you combine it with patience self-awareness your ability to listen to other people then obsession is something that becomes quite healthy and functional and it actually is something that become very powerful you can actually create things that will have impact so that's the other thing to take into consideration that i think when i was looking at obsession as an unhealthy thing i wasn't aware of the things i just said there i also assumed that because i wasn't aware of some of the ideas that my society culture i was growing up in had implanted in me i always assumed that the way i was seeing the world was a proper way to see the world anything outside of that then was like bartering on towards insanity. And through my experience, that hasn't been the case at all. It's been quite the opposite in many ways. You know, like It's a complex problem. But I feel like when you give way to your feeling, when you combine that with ability, with your willingness to improve in your list, active listening skills, when you combine that with your interest in gaining more self-awareness, self-knowledge, genuine self-knowledge self-awareness when you're aware of your propensity to look for external validation and for that to become something that's compulsive that isn't actually healthy and when you combine these things an obsession can become a good thing it will help you to get stuff done because if you aren't fixated on getting the book done and finished and putting a process in place to do that then you won't get anything done. So there, there needs to be uh, an obsession there, a focus there. So I think the other thing, just the last point I want to talk about with obsession, and it just ties in a bit to what I was talking about, uh, the default ideas in the back of your mind that that, are, that you've placed importance on emotionally, that my obsession today it doesn't manifest so much in me constantly thinking about something. So that's why what I pursue today would be very dangerous if my obsession was purely in my head. Because the things I'm talking about, there's a lot of existential elements to it. So that means there won't be there won't be concrete answers here. There will be understandings. Like what I'm doing here is creating a space where you can question your assumptions about the world and to the extent that you can actually see true some of the falsities to your assumptions that will help you liberate yourself from certain ways you're seeing the world that are restrictive and repressive so there is actual change but the types of questions i'm asking myself change is only happening on a visceral level an understanding feeling level that i can't quite quantify So if I'm following what I'm doing today and my primary assumption was that it's something I figure out in my head, then my obsession will actually turn into something that will be self-destructive for me. It will probably end up isolating myself, isolating me from a lot of people as well. But because the way I look at obsession today is that it's more about concentration and focus and a concentration and focus that isn't particularly a thought process, so some of the bigger questions I ask myself are questions that I might just write down one or two times and they serve as guiding questions towards what I'm creating. That's my expectation of them. And that's how you challenge assumptions too. That's the way I would challenge assumptions too is that I might become, just from consistently engaging in work, they're constantly kind of building and refining on things. So I might out of the blue think of a question or an assumption that I might have made. I might write it down and then I'll start paying a bit more attention to that. And it might be an assumption that up until this point, I never knew it was an assumption. And for whatever reason, possibly because of the, just the work I'm creating on constantly, that it, it brings about new thoughts every now and again, I guess. I might I might see it. And then I might start acting on that assumption that I might have. So one thing actually that I noticed from reading Alan Watts' book Which I'm going to talk about on the next episode, Psychotherapy East and West. He started challenging more the idea of the unconscious not being real, and that. And he talked a lot about subject object in the split. So it's not. It's actually our perception of the world. And he said in the Eastern traditions, there's more of a willingness to question this distinction between inner world and outside world so that's something that i've been doing quite a lot in this podcast i talk a lot about the inner world but i haven't so much thought about the inner world in relation to the outer world because that's what animal Watts talks a lot about is the, the polar opposites and how they're so the yin the yang he talks about it in terms of that the illusion is a separation and what we're aiming for is the integration of opposites so you can't have good without bad and the sickness of the mind is actually when you start differentiating good and bad so that's something now that is challenging assumptions that i didn't know that i was particularly making and at the same time I, i don't really because what i'm talking about there is so intangible I can't even say for sure right I can't even say for sure whether Alan Watts is right or whether Young and Freud was right and then even when Alan Watts is talking about Young and Freud he's agreeing with certain aspects and he's not agreeing with other aspects and that's kind of my approach as well and it's very it's very difficult because the, the ground's always changing but then it's also good because I feel like you're just gradually improving your map of reality and I find that very interesting and I find it a very interesting experience. That's that's why I engage in this anyway. But it's also very challenging intellectually. I suppose you are you're challenging your sense of ego, and hey, even on that, like it's so easy to categorize ego as the enemy, but I, I, it's quite nuanced. And even in that book, I, uh, he was comparing the ways of liberation in the East with psychotherapy in the West. And some overlaps. And then you know something is done differently. But I'm going to talk about that in, in the next episode. It's uh, I'm going to take some points from that book. <laughs> it's one of those books that there's a lot in it. Uh, but I'm just going to take some points from it. Some things to think about. But they're the, they're the main things I wanted to talk about today. Uh, I think to sum it up. I would encourage you to, to follow what you're passionate about. What, what you feel like you're obsessed with. But then if you can back it up with with importance and self-awareness importance and listening to other people active listening skills critical thinking skills that i feel like your obsession become a good thing and i actually would i'd actually notice it today that there's some children that are naturally able to filter out the adults they're able to filter out other people quite easily and it's probably a positive and a negative to that one positive i see though is that they can start creating their worlds and sharing that with other people there's a discipline there that's already there but you know i suppose the other aspect of it is actually integrating into society and seeing other people i guess if you're living in your own world sometimes if you haven't suppose when you're a child you haven't you don't know what active listening is so active listening is probably something that that would need to be worked on maybe potentially but but that's it anyway that's the last episode of this year another thing i just want to point out i think on episode 150 or in the middle of this year i said my goal was to do 200 podcast episodes this year that even was a struggle for me that i i think around september october i decided that i'm not going to go for 200 because i felt it comes back to energy management i felt mentally drained i thought i'd be able to publish the book this year and get 200 episodes done and work my job as a programmer, but I found it was too much. I was pushing myself too much. And I decided to relax in the podcast episodes. What did we get to 187? So I found that a struggle. So that's one of the things there that, that's a healthy obsession. I think that's one of the things, one of the mechanisms there. that I was just an example of how my obsession has become more flexible and healthy when i realized that i'm human that i have finite energy and that i also got to question myself like why am i 200 is an arbitrary word anyway my problem was that i'd said it in a podcast and i felt like i needed to live up to that by the end of the year if people are going to listen to me but i realized that was doing more damage than good it was an arbitrary number and i was only like going to sacrifice myself for for nothing other than this idea of consistency that if i say something i do it so that's a hard one because i think that was part of what can help me write books and do a podcast is that once i say something i'll do it i'll stick to it that is part of what gets things done for me but it can also start working against you like it was there when I was trying to reach for 200 episodes for, for no real reason. Other than I, I said I was going to do that. And uh, so they're the nuances that you explore. And I think that's what can turn an obsession into something that's healthy. So it's it's something that you've got the blinkers on, but there is a lot of flexibility in there. That uh, an unhealthy obsessive mind might necessarily have. So that's it. Yep. Yeah. So if you want to purchase my new book, The Edge, it's on Amazon. I put a link in the show notes. It's a book about waking up to who you are t- creativity, the journey from Plato's cave to the artist's world. And then the last two people on the tank are Narita and Anne Narita and Marie Murphy, my sisters, they've supported the podcast it's uh greatly appreciated uh, all the support over the years as well so yeah that's it wish you all the best for next year 2022 and talk again next year about some more books maybe have some conversations with writers and talk about some philosophical deeper questions so that's it thanks again for listening and i will speak to you on the next episode